everybody and welcome back to another podcast. So before we dive into today's actual segment, I just want to give y'all an update about the whole staying off social media kind of situation. Um, so now I think it's been exactly three weeks since I have omitted Instagram and TikTok especially for my life. However, today I re-downloaded it again. I mean, I never officially deleted it, but like I, you know, went on it again for the first time in those three weeks just to post a little something, post a little photo dump and do an end of October recap that I like to do every month. So I wanted to maintain that tradition. And I allowed myself to scroll through each app for about like 10 minutes each-ish. And for the first little bit, I was like, okay, this is fun. Why did I ever give up social media? And then after I kept scrolling and kept scrolling, maybe I was on like the, I don't know, like the 20th TikTok by that point. I was like, okay, now I'm remembering why I stopped and why I wanted to start this little refraining from social media experiment in the first place. Because I could literally feel my eyeballs like burning. And that sounds really weird, but like not only did I feel the physical effects, but I also felt the mental detrimental effects too. Because I was like, there was that nagging part of my brain again that was like, I could be doing something so much more productive. And also on Instagram especially, I was getting like an influx of picture after picture of people's Halloween pics. And again, the FOMO was there. And I was like, okay, why? Like, no, I no longer have the urge to revisit that again. I mean, I like I posted my little picture. I posted my TikTok and now it's like done. And then I exited out of those tabs and stuff. So I'm going to go back to refraining from it for a little bit more. Um, and like, it's just, it, it really only validated for me that it's just, I am a lot happier and I enjoy life more without this social media presence. And I just feel more present in life. I feel more happy. I feel mentally more like fulfilled. And that's that. Um, so let's see how long that goes again. And I'll probably just continue updating you guys per episode. But anyways, back to today's actual topic. So as you can tell from the title of the podcast episode, I'm going to be talking about my parenting do's and don'ts. Am I a parent myself? No, but I am a child. So I've exp- I've experienced having parents like most people on this planet. And this inspiration for this episode came about because I'm currently watching Gilmore Girls. I've seen the show before and I've tried it out before. Um, but like I, I watched like the first couple of episodes of the season and then I got bored because the episodes are really long. Like each one's like 45 minutes almost an hour and the whole like talking and banter thing between Lorelai and her daughter Rory I mean at first when I first watched it I got kind of annoyed because I was like hey these dialogue scenes are like way too long like can we cut it short like the show could have been half its time I feel like so I stopped and I got bored and then I suddenly picked it up again because I couldn't um fall asleep so I opened up my laptop and like Gilmore Girls was like the only show that I felt like watching so I watched it again and then I started laughing I was like hey this is actually funny so I'm gonna keep watching it and now I'm on season two and I feel like by now the momentum is really going and it it's actually interesting now so I I like the show but um something interesting that came about is Gilmore Girls has been popular for a really long time and like the show came out in early 2000s but it's still talked about a lot today especially on TikTok and I know a lot of people are saying how Lorelai is actually toxic for her daughter and I I never would have like thought about this until I heard about it from other people and at first I was like no like people are reaching people are mad at anything like because there's a lot of hate for Lorelai you know and how she acts like the child and how 
she's supposed to be the mom, but really it's like Rory who parents some of the times. And I never really saw it until I got to like the end of season one when, spoiler alert, but Lorelai ends up getting engaged to Max and then, spoiler again, she ends up calling off the engagement last minute, you know? I think Lorelai's true character really brought out in the end of season one and I wanted to dissect that a little bit and talk about it um and like why our generation specifically thinks that's toxic and also I'm gonna be giving my own parenting do's or don'ts and obviously you know when I am a mom my opinions are probably gonna change because you can say whatever you're gonna do you know you can say it all you want but it's one thing to talk to talk it's another to walk the walk I don't know if any of these will actually hold true by the time I have a kid of my own, but I guess we'll just have to see. So without further ado, let's get right into it. So I think the heart of the show and the reason why so many people love it and it's such a comfort show for them is the relationship between Rory and Lorelai. You know, Basically, Lorelai isn't Rory's mother. She's, like, her best friend. And, like, yes, there are times throughout the show where they address this, and it's like, okay, Rory, I'm your mother. You have to listen to me. You have to do this. So we do see that power balance between them again. But aside from those rare moments, most of the time, Lorelai acts like the kid, right? Like, that's the whole premise of their characters and the whole premise of the plot. We have Rory, who's, like, the very much type A student, 16 year old you know she and this is referred to so much times throughout the the show where like Lorelai got lucky with Rory and I say that in quotations right because Lorelai when she was 16 she got pregnant um so she quote-unquote was like the outcast in society because she didn't follow the rules of her mother and this was all as a result of her rebelling against her strict parents who expected so much from her. So then Lori became Lorelai became pregnant at 16, and then she had Rory, who is very much the opposite of her mother. And we see a lot of times throughout the show where it's like, like the, the episode I just finished watching, right? So it's like Lorelai calls off the engagement with Max, and then they end up taking this impromptu... Uh, road trip and they go sleep at an inn just so she can clear her thoughts and then Rory is the one who's like mom no you have to like communicate with Max this is not fair to him you're in love with him I think you're just running away from your problems I think you do love him I think you're just scared of a commitment she is 16 by the way and her mother who is supposed to be her mother who's double her age handles the whole situation very poorly and at least she's self-aware of the fact that she is in fact, afraid of commitment, and she does not handle love and relationships well, probably because of the whole, you know, mommy issues, daddy issues, plus having to raise Rory all by herself, so she never had a committed partner ever in her life. Like, I feel like Rory is the only person who she ever actually committed to. She's self-aware of that, but again, it's not really an excuse, and she's setting a poor example for her daughter by running away from her problems, and like justice for max hashtag justice for max because he's been strung along this whole time he's been led on he's this man is so in love with lorelei and she just like dumps him to the curb and she can't even admit her feelings to herself so but i I think this brings about the question that a lot of people are debating which is should your parents also be your friend and there's a lot of people that i know who say that their mom or dad is their best friend and like that's fine like i feel like they don't actually mean it as like a they're my best friend only friend situation I think it just means like I'm very close with my parents and that I can 
respect and that makes sense. I think, you know, if you are a parent and your kids feel close enough that they can come to you about anything like you would with a best friend, then congrats to you. You're doing a great job. Okay. But do I think your parents should legitimately be your best friend? I'm going to say no, because I think that your parents should foremost be your parent first and your best friend second right? So I'm interpreting the question a little bit more literally. And with my own upbringing, I'm close with both my mom and dad, not close enough that I feel like I can tell them anything. Like if I was going through something, they definitely wouldn't be the first or even second person that I would go to. Um, And there are a lot of things that I hid from them recently, but then also throughout my, you know, teenagehood, like I didn't tell them about my first kiss. I didn't tell them about certain boys I was seeing. Um, and this might be, like, a cultural thing, too, because I'm Asian, so there's this, like, extra pressure and expectation on top of that, but, you know, I was close with my parents. Would I say they were my best friends? No. How did this affect me? I mean, of course, when I have kids, I want them to be able to come to me with this kind of stuff, but again, it it asks the question, like, where do you draw the line? right? Because you still have to be a parent and set those boundaries, set those expectations, have them respect you. But at the same time, you don't want to be all and above over encompassing or over them, right? Like you still, you don't want them to be completely terrified of you and be like, oh my gosh, she's my mom. She's so uncool. You got to find this kind of balance. And so I compiled a list of do's and don'ts that I just wanted to go over and briefly explain a lot of these are very universal things um within our own generation like i feel like most people who are gen z they will agree with every single point that i say but if i were to tell this to my parents or someone older like a baby boomer they'd be like no hell no you need to lay down the laws you need to be more strict and obviously i disagree but i can't like I can understand where they're coming from still because they grew up with a whole different set of boundaries and expectations. So for them, my do's and don'ts will probably be like very lenient, but I feel like as a new generation and we're learning new things as we go along and what we liked about our upbringing, what we didn't like and and exactly how the household we grew up in really does traumatize us and like affect us and, and how we think um, as we mature. So let's just jump right into it. Okay, my first do is do show interest in my kid's life. Um, My parents didn't really do this as much. Like, they weren't the type to sit down with me and be like, oh, so what are you learning in school today? Like, what are you up to in life? Tell me about your friend so-and-so. They were more kind of like the physical fulfillment, you know, part, like making sure I was fed, making sure I was healthy and stuff like that. The emotional part isn't really there. And if I had a kid... I would love to do those like, okay, once a week, we set a, t- um, a time aside where I just spend time with my son or my daughter, or whatever, one-on-one. We do whatever you want. Maybe if you want to go out and get ice cream and go to an arcade, we do that. Um, or we just like go out and we have dinner or we have a coffee date and we just sit down and talk. To me, what excites me the most about being a mother one day is knowing, getting to know my kid because I feel like for our parents and the older generations, they didn't view their kids as people and actual human beings. They just viewed them as property sounds a bit too extreme, but like property slash an accessory, you know, like they wouldn't, they wouldn't view them as 
oh my gosh, this is another live living human being. Like it has its own interests. It has its own hobbies, its own way of thinking about life. And with our parents, they often try to push their ideologies onto their kids. Like they want them to live a certain life and anything outside of that box is considered like bad. And so for me, I think it's so cool if my kid ends up being different, if they have different views, if they don't think the same way I do. I want to be able to talk to my kid about politics and like, like you know, like the whole range of things. Like, what's your favorite color? But then also like, what do you want to be when you're older? What interests you right now? What hobbies do you have? Um, like, I don't know, everything in the in the news and all that. So that's my first do. My second do is probably treat them like a human being and that goes in hand with this one but i'm listening to another podcast from 21 whatever and one of the hosts her name is sierra she has a daughter and she's about one year one or two i think she's in the toddler stage um but she talks about doing gentle parenting and then the name itself gentle parenting i mean as you can tell it has a bunch of connotations right most of them negative because most people think gentle parenting means allowing your kid to walk all over you not setting any boundaries just kind of free for all free range kids letting them do whatever they want but no like sierra was saying and i had this exact same thought as her gentle parenting is just treating your kid like an like a human being and viewing them as an equal while still being their parent so something she talked about was saying no wasn't like a big thing in their vocabulary like if her kid wanted to roll around in the mud and get her shoes dirty it wasn't like no immediately no it was like okay let's explore this and let's do that and i can 100 percent see myself doing that for my kids too and side note but so i work with kids a lot i am around like for my job and stuff like that i have lots of experience with kids so i know like you know how that age range thinks and when I was working as a camp counselor, I did say no a lot. That's different though. That's because it was my job. And like, if you see a kid about to jump off the bleachers, you have to say, no, stop that. Because it, you know, they could get hurt and I would be responsible. So obviously if it's, it's different, if it's not your kid, you know, if I was like babysitting another kid or something, yes, I would say no more often. But if it's my own kid, I feel like I would have let them have a lot more freedom in terms of like, you know, if they want to go outside, have a have a snowball fight or like they want to um maybe they're not hungry and they they don't want to eat their dinner that day and you know i wouldn't just be like no you have to eat like i would like treat them like a human being like sierra said ask her or ask her kids like okay you don't want to do this why not the only times where sierra is really firm on saying the no thing is if it comes to their kids safety or like genuine health and well-being you know like if it's like oh you have to take a bath it's not like no like oh do you want to take a bath or not it's like you have to take a bath and no is not an option right because obviously a kid has to be clean and same with like eating dinner eating your vegetables that sort of situation but I feel like I would be the type of parent who would let my kids have this freedom and like even if we're taking a walk or something and my kid's like oh I want to go and look at this leaf I want to pick up the stick like my mom she would have been like no put the stick down because she was very very anxious like all the time about me or my brother getting hurt and I did hear no a lot or like stop that um and not that I had like a super negative impact on me or anything but I I just remember as a kid feeling so annoyed about that like like why can't I do this and so yeah that's that's another thing just being more open-minded 
Um, I don't have any more don'ts as, as of the, or sorry, I don't have any more do's at the moment, so I'm just going to skip to my don't list. First one, very, very obvious, don't hit your kid whatsoever, even spanking, I'm like very much against that. Um, and I feel like everyone in a generation can speak to that. Like, anyone who still says spanking your kid is okay is probably a Trump supporter. <laughs> I don't know, they give me those vibes. Second one, don't push them into extracurriculars that they don't want to do. The only one my parents, or I guess my mom, really pushed me into was swimming because she thought that was like a important thing that I should learn. Um, so I guess, but I, I mean more in terms of like, if my daughter wants to do a more masculine, quote unquote, thing, like if they want, she wants to play soccer, basketball, or if my son wanted to do ballet or something more feminine, I would be like, hell yeah, as long as it's not too crazy expensive, you know, I wouldn't try to live vicariously through my kid. Like something that I always wanted was like, oh, it'd be so cool if my kid could play hockey or something. And then I could be like a hockey mom and then I could go to their tournaments and stuff. But would I ever force my kid to wake up every single day at 4 a.m., take hockey, like, you know, go to hockey practice? Like, no, if they don't want to do it, then that's fine. I also don't think I would push them to have extracurriculars at all if they didn't want it to. Like, my parents never forced me to do any extracurricular in general. Um, I was one who actually wanted to, like, who had to beg my parents, like, please let me take piano lessons, please let me do this. Um, so I think it's important to let your kid choose in some aspect, right? And for a lot of kids, some of them will be like, I want to try everything, you know? So they do a little bit of this and then they quit. They do a little bit of that and they quit. And a lot of parents think it's like a waste of money. It's like, oh, it's just a waste of time. You could have been spending your energy into one thing and then work on excelling and being perfect at it rather than trying a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and then just settling for being mediocre at everything. But, and this is speaking from personal experience, by the way, because I did quit a lot of like, you know, music things. Um, I even took like vocal lessons at one point. I just like, I just wanted to try it, you know, but my mom would always bring up like, oh, you should have kept continuing with piano lessons because now you don't rem even remember how to play anymore. But I don't think it's a bad thing at all. I think if your kid is willing to explore and try everything they can, then hallelujah. You know what I mean? Like, what's so wrong about that? How do you know you don't like something if you don't try it? And if that means trying everything, well, then there you go. Some people don't even know what their passions are until late in life. And so, you know, it's, it's good to have those trial runs when you're still younger. Uh, something else is a don't is do not punish them for having bad grades. Um, unless it's like they choose not to study, you know? But even in that situation, I don't think I'm going to be a parent who puts much emphasis on academic validation because I didn't have that as a kid. And again, we live in a society where like college, university, it's it's not the only route anymore. Like there's so many more time-saving, less time-consuming, efficient ways to make money out there. And if my kid doesn't want to go to college, that's fine. You know, we'll figure it out. And to punish them for something that they can't help, you know, that's just that's just doing too much. All right, I'm also do not, so I'm, I don't want to control their free time. I, some of my friends too, they would tell me like growing up, their parents would like tell them what to do when they were not doing homework so if it was if it was like, oh, they finally finish studying and they finally finish their assignments and they just want to kick back and watch some TV, their parents would be like, nope, you have to sit here and read a book. You've been on the screen way too long. And even even then, I'm like, 
I get if it's for, you know, they think that they're doing their kid a favor by saving them from screen time. But sometimes I feel like it's good to just let their kid get it out of their system and, like, let them be bored. Because as a kid, my parents were never strict and they never tried to control what I did when I was at home. Like, when I was inside my house, I was free to do whatever and whenever. whenever. And if that meant going on my computer for, like, eight hours at a time, that's literally what they let me did and they didn't, like, stop it or anything. And I feel like me allowing that boredom and being bored as a kid so much helped me in a way figure out my passions and like what I wanted to do because when I was bored that's when I would tap into trying hobbies like oh maybe I want to write a story Ooh, I'm gonna draw these comics and I would try these things out I mean that, that sounds kind of bad because it's like no I don't want my kid to be on a screen for 10 hours a day but that was just my specific example because I feel like there's so many kids nowadays and like I'll be watching family vlogs that's like a little niche I have I like to watch <laughs> family vlogs especially the ones where it's like family like big families like families of like, like eight or ten kids I find that so interesting but like a lot of the times the parents vlogging I'll see them like try to control what their kids do so they'll be like okay my kid just finished homeschooling from 10 to 6 so now I give them an iPad time for one hour and then they have some reading to do before dinner and then they have some free time and then we all watch a movie together like I bro like I'm just gonna let my kid do whatever and that maybe is controversial but as long as they finish their homework and you know maybe they have some hobbies or whatever but if they want to spend the rest of their time playing video games who am I to stop them like I genuinely don't care about that kind of stuff okay my bunny is in front of me chewing my notebook please don't do that all right so that one was probably my most controversial one that i don't think would align with my my generation but that's just what i feel uh my next one do not invalidate their feelings so if they come up to me with a problem and they're like oh my god my my um my boyfriend just broke up with me or oh that's that's a pretty big deal but i don't know any problem that they come to me with I don't want to brush it off as nothing because you have to remember that kids their world is so small because they're only isolated to like what they see at school or like camp or whatever else it is and whatever big like because I worked at camp so I know the problems that these kids were facing like trust me every five minutes I would be I would get a kid come up to me and be like this kid hit me this kid won't let me play and of course you have to mediate for them because kids are kids kids will be kids and in your head you're like this is the stupidest thing why are you guys fighting over this like I literally remember at camp there were these two kids who are like full-on arguing screaming at each other crying bursting into tears over the fact that they both wanted to play with a ball there was another ball exactly like it exactly like it but because this ball in particular was red they both wanted it right and so as a grown-up, you're like, guys, there's an easy solution here. But of course, they don't want to listen because this is their entire world. This is their biggest problems right now. Oh my goodness, my bunnies are trying to chew everything and destroy everything. I had to pull it away because they were trying to pull my wire. So I don't want my bunnies to get electrocuted. But, you know, I feel like, <laughs> I mean, it's different because these kids weren't my kids. So it was easy and I didn't feel any guilt being like, guys, stop. This is a dumb issue. Just just share or whatever but if it's my own kid and they come up to me with like a problem that is pretty minuscule I don't want to invalidate whatever they're feeling I want to let their emotions happen and this is something that my parents did with me like when whenever I cried about 
anything anything at all my mom would like do everything in her power to try to make me feel better like i remember one time i cried because i wanted a yo-yo and the toy store didn't have one so she was like okay we'll go to the store tomorrow and we'll get you a yo-yo like she wasn't like this a stupid thing to cry about she genuinely didn't like to see me upset and you know obviously i don't want to see my kid upset okay so i thought of some other don'ts um i i barely have any do's it's mainly just things i don't want to do so one is try to control what they eat even when i was a kid if i was full and i still had a full plate my parents and my family never pushed me to finish what i ate and i feel like a lot of the times when it's your parents who make the serving sizes for you they will be way too much for what a four or five year old can eat right so if you're constantly like you're gonna sit at this table and you're gonna finish every last bite like it has the potential to make your kid form an unhealthy relationship with food because it, it makes them think that they have to overeat more than they actually have to, right? And if you let your kid decide when they're full, then, you know, it, it teaches them, how, like, what does fullness feel like when they're older? And it, it goes the opposite, too. Like, don't try to limit your kid's portions. Like, if they say they're hungry, give them more, you know, just let them decide when they're full and stuff like that. I mean, Obviously, in extreme circumstances, if the kid only takes, like, one bite, like, okay, yeah, I would probably be more concerned and make them eat a little bit more, but I'm talking about the other cases where it's, like, entire plate, you gotta finish this whole thing. I do remember my grandmother, she was a bit more strict with this stuff, like, she would make me sit at the table and finish the soup and the soup was like so bad but they said it was supposed to be healthy for you because it was like a, a chinese herbal soup and so i would like literally sneak to the kitchen when they weren't looking and i would like dump it into the sink because i just did not want to finish it um <laughs> so that kind of sucked and i don't think i want to do that to my own kid like ever and my last don't is do not give gendered compliments so with like raising girls especially I want to make sure that I'm not like, oh my gosh, look at this pretty dress you're wearing. Aren't you a pretty girl? Oh, you have such a pretty face. All the boys are going to want you when you're older, right? Because then right off the bat, that forms or it makes them feel validation from purely appearance. And then for boys, usually their compliments are like, whoa, show me those strong muscles. Oh my goodness, you're such a smart man. Whoa, you're so strong. Oh my gosh, you're going to be a ladies man, right? And then from a young age, they get these stereotypes and these expectations that puts them into this gender binary already. And I worked with kids, like I said, and I did notice the way that parents talk to their daughters versus their sons. And when I grow up and I have my own kids, no matter what gender they are, like, I want to treat them all the same way with like the same expectations even when it comes to more safety wise things so like for girls you know if they are going to be going out with friends I would advise them to be safe and be careful because it's a scary world for anyone but girls in particular but like I would also put that same caution for boys because boys obviously get kidnapped and assaulted too you know um but in this case I would put more emphasis on the girls especially if they're going to a friend's house where there might be male members or like and I'm always so iffy on the dressing thing because it's like I know it's not my it will be not my daughter that I don't trust, but like other creepy perverted men out there. And so at the same time, I don't want to make a dress code for my daughter and be like, you can't wear anything too short, right? Because it's like sexualizing them based on what they wear. But at the same time, it's like, shouldn't she be able to wear what she wants? Like I would make sure that my boys respect and treat all women, you know, with respect. 
And I feel like if everybody put an emphasis on the guy to freaking keep it in their pants instead of telling girls to monitor what they wear, the world would be a safer place. But unfortunately, it's not like that. I mean, maybe when my generation all grows up, it might be a, a bit safer. But as of now, I still would be iffy on what all my kids wear, but like also at the same time teaching them to respect women you know like like getting a little bit of the both because it's like it's tricky with this generation anyways so those were my parenting do's and don'ts and i kind of also wanted to address like some of the fears that come with when i become a mother um aside from the obvious one which is i do not want to get pregnant because that sounds god awful like i like the changes that it does to your body and like the morning sickness and of course the inevitable pain you will get during childbirth <sighs> that terrifies me and i heard it is like genuinely a traumatizing experience for labor for like most women um but but aside from that my fears that i'm going to be addressing are more like when i become a mom you know i feel like like my mom my own mother would tell me this too but she was like once you have your family of your own you will lose your friends because you're too busy taking care of your kids and you're too busy working you won't really have like a social life of your own anymore and that's what i'm afraid of will I like lose my friends when I have a mom or I mean when I become a mom and then also will I lose my identity kind of like will all my energy be drained and sucked into just caring for this kid to the point where I won't even be motivated or encouraged anymore to pursue the things that make me happy like could like will I still be able to have time but also still be inspired to write books or read or film podcast episodes or hang out with my friends you know that kind of stuff um for what I've heard from other podcasts and like most moms in general the general consensus does seem to be that your life changes drastically obviously and your kid becomes your number one priority which means that everything else revolves around your kid right their happiness and their safety and well-being comes first so that does mean you might have less time to go to the gym or do whatever it is to make you happy but there's also um the added thing of like you will still have time like if you make time it really depends on how you work what your schedule is like so if you really still have like a job that you want to keep working on or a side hobby it's not gonna be completely omitted from your life like you can still do it it just might look a bit different now um so i guess that's reassuring to know but it's still a fear in the back of my head okay and before i end this podcast i want to end it with something a little bit fun i just want to share my top baby name lists I feel like this is something that most girls do. I feel like we all have a little note section um, filled with our favorite boy and girl names. So I'm just going to jump right in. Okay, this is the only one where I'm like 100% sure this is what I'm naming my daughter. Um, And if my husband disagrees, well, then that's too damn bad because I'm 100% naming my daughter Skylar. I love that name so much. And I feel like you can do so many nicknames with it, like Sky. Well, I guess that's it. <laughs> I guess you can only do Sky, but I love that as a nickname too. Love Skylar. And I actually don't know any Skylars in real life and also in terms of celebrities. Like, I've never met another Skylar. So, don't steal my baby name. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to go through the girl ones. So, Kendall. And it sucks because, like, you, with these kinds of celebrity names, you automatically think of the person associated with it, you know, like Kendall, Kendall Jenner. But I still do love the name. Uh, Blake, I think of Blake Lively, but Blake, Peyton, and Parker, love those three names. I love 
more masculine names for the girls. Like, I love gender-neutral names for my daughter, so. Those are my girl names. Okay, now for boys. I love the name Avery, and that, some people would say that's more of, like, a feminine name, but I've known some boy kids named Avery, and I just really like that name. For some reason, I don't want Avery for a girl, only for a boy. Like, I'm very specific with the gender, too, but... Other boys' names are Caden, with a K, so K-A-D-E-N, and I really like Weston and Easton. <laughs> I'm getting all the compass names, there's no, there's no Northen, but yeah. My dream is like if I have twins, like ideally one boy and one girl, because then I could be like Skylar for the twin girl, and then Caden for the twin boy. Ah, I just love all these names I can't pick, but Skylar 100% for the girl and if I had to pick a top one for my son it would probably be um what oh, I don't know okay maybe Kaden maybe Kaden I don't know it also depends on what my husband likes but I mean if I'm a single mom I don't gotta worry about that it's just so fun to think about baby names and like ideally I want at least two kids I don't want my kid to be an only child because I grew up with an older brother and I loved it and I still love it um I mean, no hate to anyone who is an only child, but I just feel like you just learn so much and your childhood experience in general is so much more enriching and fulfilling when you have someone to spend it with. Like, I always feel bad for people who are only children. I feel like that's really lonely. So minimum two, um, maximum like four or five. I do want like a big family. I'm always jealous of people who have big families. I feel like it's just so fun. But my mom actually would tell me that she wanted four kids for the longest time. She wanted two boys and two girls. That was her ideal family. But then after having two kids, she was like, I'm done. I maxed out. Like, this is too much. So it's probably going to be the same for me. Like, ideally, I would love to have, like, you know, five or six kids. But money, it's expensive. And also, am I putting my body through that? It sounds like a lot. So ideally, I'd probably, or I mean, like, realistically, I'd probably have two kids. Anyways, that's going to be it for today's podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening again. Stay tuned because I'm going to be making another one. I'm going to be co-hosting it with one of my friends tomorrow. We have plans to record our next one. Um, And I'm not going to tell you guys who it is because you guys got to listen to it and find out yourself. So stay tuned for the next podcast episode. I'll see you all later. Have a good rest of your day. Bye.